0: have accessed, entry 159.PR0913. Certificate number 31531. Anita
2: Bryant. Security agents, security agents. No, no, let, let him stay. No. Let him
0: stay. Well, that at least a... it's a food pie.
2: Huh. Let's pray for him right now, Anita. Right now. Let's pray. Father, I want to ask that you forgive him. That we love him. And that we love him. And that we're praying for him be delivered from his deviant lifestyle father and I just (laughs) Anita
1: Bryant do you remember I mean you know the name does it ring out with special significance to you I am like a little young
0: by just a couple years I'm at the age where I get her confused with uh, former Miss America Bess Meyerson because I think they're yeah they're anagrams
1: oh sure wait a minute Oh no, wow. there's not. Jeez, no. A she, man, a plan, a uh, canal. She was like uh, Erasmus. Bess
0: Myerson was like Ed Koch's beard, I think, in uh, New York City politics for a while. But Anita Bryant is a much weirder story.
1: It is, and and her name has um, it does ring a loud bell in my mind because I was. A fan. <laughs> I was a super fan. No, I was old enough to have watched this thing go down in real time. This, this began, her saga begins in the early 60s. Anita Bryant was a kind of wholesome American Oklahoma gal who presumably was very popular in high school. She had the requisite hair flip. And uh, she believed in the Jesus of the Bible.
0: Yeah, probably conservative evangelical Oklahoma family. I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think this might have even been before uh, the term evangelical took on its. But that's just because the, that whole context. part
0: of the country was evangelical. Like <laughs> right. the, you didn't have to have a word for it. Like we, if, if there was somebody who moved in who was not super conservative Christian, then you'd have to invent a word.
1: Well, in fact, that even was a um, was a social movement of that time. Uh, this period, the late fifties, early sixties was the beginning of what we now call the rust belt, the, the decline of the American industrial North and Midwest Mm -hmm. and the South, the Southern States. I mean, Arizona had a very small population in the fifties because air conditioning wasn't yet ubiquitous and there wasn't any water there. Yeah, what do you do there? It didn't really appeal to people. Florida was still kind of a mosquito-ridden backwater, but there was as, no sunbelt. There wasn't a sunbelt. That was actually a creation of this time, as as uh, the Rust Belt developed and people emigrated out of the Northeast and out of the Midwest.
0: I, I assume it's the idea of you know, it's also the jet airplane area and retirement migration becoming a thing. Right, old people can move somewhere where they're Blood, you know, is not chilled by Uh buffalo winters, but they can still fly up and see the grandkids.
1: Yeah, and it was also touted as an antidote to hay fever and consumption and tuberculosis to go down into that dry, dry air. Better name, too. Like, let's say you can choose one of two things. Tuberculosis
0: belt (laughs) or (laughs) sun belt? Either the sun, giver of life and warmth, or rust. Or rust. Where would you live? It's tough but I think a lot of people would choose sunny weather over rust.
1: They would. And it was considered a, a wholesome place. And Disneyland. That's right. Got Disneyland developed during that time. Orchards
0: I mean, of whatever, as far as the eye can see. It
1: was pretty imaginary, uh, the Sun Belt, but it also encompassed most of, well, all of the American South, uh, which was already predisposed to conservatism. And it was seen as a kind of healthy an- antidote to... Northeastern decadence. You know, New York was starting can, to become you a- You can say Jews if you want. <laughs> uh, Jews, homosexuals- uh, The counterculture in all its forms. And, and, and also uh, immediately after the war and during the war, there was a, a very large migration of African Americans from the South to the North and the Northeast. So all these currents, uh, all these migrations and all these different sort of swirling currents of Americans were all happening
0: during this period. Like a swirling glass of orange juice.
1: Like a swirling glass of orange juice. And in this period, in the early 60s, Anita Bryant, uh, she was Miss Oklahoma in the uh, Miss America pageant. Yeah, first runner-up. Second runner-up in the Miss America pageant. First, she was Miss Oklahoma. Right, but she she was very nearly Miss America. Very nearly. If a bullet
0: had hit Marianne Mobley of Mississippi, God forbid— God forbid. Uh, Anita Bryant would have had to step in and take the sash. Uh, Marianne Mobley, by the way, pretty famous as Miss America's go. Mrs. America
1: or Miss America's? Uh, Miss, no, I don't think Mrs. Would it be Miss? I think it is Mrs. America, although that would be very confusing to say. I'm sure
0: there was a Mrs. America pageant of um, young, pert married women. Didn't that used to be a thing?
1: The Mrs. America pageant? What would what, That's that right would be, up your alley. That would be very yeah. frustrating, I think, for the uh, married men of the 50s.
0: Yes, Mrs. America was established in 1976 uh, to honor
1: uh, married women. Oh, that is uh, that is sweet. That is right up my alley.
0: It's been televised on networks including PAX and WE. I don't know if you've been watching.
1: Uh, oh, is it, is it an ongoing pageant? It... Is wow,
0: from what I can tell,
1: I feel like I, th- I've got a new must see TV. Yeah,
0: our, our reigning Mrs. America is Michaela Eppers, Mrs. Eppers, uh-huh. the former Michaela Deal. Uh, she was uh Miss Indiana apparently when she was still a Miss. Beauty pageants are weird,
1: yeah. How would you how would you pronounce Mrs. Mrs. miss Miss plural of Miss America? How would you pronounce it so that you could di- differentiate it from Mrs. America?
0: Well, you would Miss- have to say winners of the Miss America pageant. I think. Right. Uh, cause yeah. What would you call multiple Mrs. Americas? Mrs. America. <laughs> like it's Mrs. America, Miss America. All these beauty pageants are kind of, they're like the pledge of allegiance in that if you tried to tell them, if you tried to invent them today, you would get laughed out of the
1: room. Right. Right. But at the time, they were extremely significant.
0: And and yet, they still kind of had this cultural legacy where we kind of accept them as just a regular part of civic American life. And nobody's like, wait, you make second graders do a loyalty oath? Wait, you make you make young women um, stand up in a bathing suit and you give one of them a prize for being very pretty and playing the auto
1: harp? It's, I mean, in the 1970s, I remember sitting with my mother and getting ready to watch the Miss America pageant. Burt Park singing, Here She Is, Miss
0: America was like a, that was appointment viewing. That was like the Macy's parade and uh, what else did people watch every year? The Super Bowl. Uh, the Super Bowl, the,
1: right. The Oscars. The uh, the yearly airing of the miniseries, the Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> the Holocaust colon, the miniseries. <laughs> Uh, but Anita Bryant translated her uh, her brush with greatness, her second runner-up in the Miss America contest. By the
0: way, shout out to Marianne Mobley, who later um, married actor and TV host Gary Collins and played the mom on the last season of Different Strokes after Dixie Carter
1: bowed out. Wow, this is the kind of thing that you could only really know By having been... uh, By having been the exact right age. By not only being the exact right age, but also being sequestered in Korea with only one television station. (laughs) Dixie Carter
0: played Conrad Bain's wife on the penultimate season of Different Strokes, and then she was abruptly replaced by Marianne Mobley. Dixie Carter and Marianne Mobley later played rivals on Designing Women, too, so their lives are interwoven.
1: My goodness, what it would be like to be inside your head just rummaging around, opening drawers... And all these like all these strange like stuffed animals and and uh, Raggedy Ann dolls that are in there.
0: It's not just random. I have an agenda here. I think it's shameful that we are celebrating Anita Bryant when she finished second place to Marianne Mobley. She's yeah. a second rate of Marianne Mobley. Why isn't Marianne Mobley in the
1: omnibus? Well, Marianne Mobley may one day be in the omnibus. I I, I leave it to you, but Anita Bryant uh, actually became a pop star of the early sixties not really a uh, a chart-storming pop star but she had a number 5 hit with a tune called paper roses paper
3: roses,
1: paper
3: roses. oh how real those roses seem to be
1: but they're only
0: later covered with greatest success by Marie Osmond.
1: Marie Osmond got a, had a number one hit on the country charts with Paper Roses in the 1970s.
0: I feel like I need to stick up for my people here who apparently yeah. are Mormon pop stars and Marianne Mobley.
1: Well, if uh, th- this is a, a further endorsement of Mormonism that a Mormon pop star could take this to number one where a secular, or a, I'm sorry, a Evangelical, Baptist one yeah. can only get to number five. Uh, we're clearly five times better. Mm-hmm. Clearly. <laughs> That's how the math works on that. <laughs> There's that Latter-day Saints math that I use to uh to calculate all my payments to contractors.
0: That's how you work out who's uh who's getting into heaven or not. You no gotta chart. look at highest billboard chart position.
1: But Anita Bryant was attractive and bubbly, vivacious. She had a Is she a good singer? I've never heard any of these songs. She's a fine singer. I mean, she's she certainly uh she earned those middling chart hits based on her talent rather than some other factor.
0: As pageant people will tell you to death, I had a friend who's sister was a pageant
1: girl and maybe a state runner
0: up. Um, It's not just about appearance. No, 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 no. It's all about talent and poise. Appearance is just, I mean, it's, it's an accident that these all happen to be conventionally pretty girls every year. I wish more of us were graded on poise. Sure. Nobody has ever graded me on poise as far as I know,
1: to my knowledge. Well, I don't know that's part of the reason you're here in omnibus i could have I uh, could have co-hosted this show with any quiz winner quiz show poise <laughs> but you I guess have they mean poise. more like I
0: guess I mean more like poise getting on a bus, for example right. nobody's ever like nice job. they just say it sarcastically if you have bad poise, nice job.
1: Well, I mean, I think I get often graded uh on the basis of froid. <laughs>
0: You are a rock musician. That's the one profession in America that is graded on poise.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and daring do. I'm seven out of 10 with daring do. I'm guessing there's not a whole
0: lot of daring do. Well,
1: not anymore. Really?
0: That's, Not that's a, Daring Do is a younger man's game.
1: Well, I don't know. I just went on a six day motorcycle ride around Oregon. There's a certain amount of Daring due to that.
0: It's only Daring Do if you're solving mysteries or, uh, uh, yeah. you know, or I some kind it. of. I feel like Daring Do has to involve some level of acrobatics.
1: At some point, you have to grab a rope or a vine yeah, and swing from right. one cliff to another. Did
0: your motorcycle ever jump anything?
1: Uh, no. Did I tried j- very hard to keep both wheels on the ground. Did it
0: ever jump over the snapping jaws of any animal? Alligator, shark? No,
1: I think before I got on this motorcycle, some earlier rider may have jumped it over a, a shark. Um, you could just
0: kind of sense the vibe was still there.
1: I Yeah, I did. Well, you could, I mean, uh, Pinky Tuscadero had carved her initials <laughs> in the back fender, so I knew something had happened. Uh, anyway, so Anita Bryant being a, a kind of America's sweetheart type in the late 70s. She married her manager, who was a disc jockey in Miami-Dade.
0: As was the style
1: at the time. That was the style of the time. Marry your manager,
0: some guy in a turtleneck
1: and a blazer. And the two of them kind of had that sort of, uh, like, uh, America's couple. They weren't quite Sonny and Cher, but they were... Um, they were kind of a made-for-TV Elvis and Priscilla.
0: Yeah. Downmarket Southern charm.
1: Yeah, that's right. And Anita parlayed this into a spokesperson role for the Florida... Orange Growers Association. Let me tell you
0: firsthand, that is the dream for a C-list celebrity. (sighs) Like that's a check that just keeps on
1: coming. If I could be the spokesperson for literally anything, the the Washington Gooey Duck Farmers Association, I would jump at the change. No matter how disreputable, you would do the ads. What is a disreputable organization that I would not do, that I would not be a spokesperson for?
0: What if you were like the Preparation Uh, H guy?
1: Oh. What what if it's
0: like diarrhea medication? Yeah. John Roddick from the Long Winters, you know, when I'm about to go on stage for a show and then oh. diarrhea
1: <laughs> I don't hits. Know. I feel like I could convert that into a thing that I could I could stand up with uh, with a straight face and do. It depends on the size of the check. Yeah. I mean the guy from the Verizon thing who who's, you know, they like Can You Hear Me Now guy, I think he made us fortune from that. And I mean, you can see he's miserable after the first six months of those ads, <laughs> his the, dead eyes for the 10 years after that. He's just miserable. He's got those dead black Carson daily
0: eyes just staring at you.
1: Can you hear me now? But you know, Ugh. he
0: uh, that, that guy uh, had the genius move of starting a bidding war and going to work for his competitor. Yeah. You know, and doing a version of the phrase and being like, I got out. <laughs> I used to say, did you hear me now? But now I say at the moment, can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you need to switch providers because you didn't care about Verizon, you just cared about me. Cared about him. Verizon guy.
1: Whether or not his call is
0: clear. Follow me to Pring or Prong or whatever his outfit is
1: now. But Anita was a uh she had a religious conviction. She was living in About orange juice? Not about orange juice necessarily, but orange juice had uh, undergone an interesting American arc as well during the during World War II. Uh, Orange juice concentrate was very popular with soldiers. And after the war- Let me ask,
0: was it not a consumer product before that? No.
1: People just drank fresh squeezed. Well, and and oranges weren't, uh, were not a ubiquitous presence in American kitchens. I see. Because, yeah, they they required, they were delicate fruit. They required transport in uh, hot, sweaty trucks. And by the time they got to your kitchen table, they had become mealy. Uh, I'm just guessing. I don't remember what it was like to try and eat an orange in 1936. How
0: can an orange be mealy? Well, you know
1: what it's it like. It can kind to of get be a, crusty. You know, an orange that no longer has the sort of, it's no longer plump with juice, but it becomes a kind of like chewy almost. Right. It becomes a labor to eat. I don't like orange juice.
0: Really? Yeah. And it's not just because I deplore everything Anita Bryant stands for. But well, wait, you're so Wholesome. How do you not like orange juice? Orange juice is not the wholesome drink of choice. Milk is the oh. the mild-mannered wholesome Americans drink of choice. Wait, do you drink do you drink glasses of milk? I always have a big tall glass <laughs> of milk in front of me <laughs> here in the bunker as we do the show. 2% I what that is. I thought it was metamucil. It's on, milk on TV. They always used to say part of a balanced breakfast. And they show somebody drinking a big glass of milk and a big glass of orange juice. Like yeah. to
1: have a balanced breakfast, you needed to drink like half a gallon of fluids apparently. Yeah. Well, and, and like half of it is sugar water and half of it is like the weird mucus of a domesticated cow.
0: Yeah. I never bought orange juice being particularly healthy. It's just sugar.
1: And, and here, what I didn't like
0: about it was I felt it like, uh, it was, it was too sour. It was, yeah. uh, it kind of made me like mucusy. It made me phlegmy to drink orange juice. Hmm.
1: Interesting. Interesting reaction. You think that's just me? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't equate phlegmy. To, are you sure it wasn't the milk? Because it sounds like you were drinking both. Maybe I have a mild allergy. But orange juice was sort of advertised as a healthy, a healthy drink, just like chicken was Vitamin at C. one point in time. Wait,
0: you're telling me chicken was marketed as a healthy drink. Uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> chicken juice for futurelings they're recalling back to 2,090 or 2,900 all the, uh, the chicken puree packs into yeah. their into their life pods when tyson was selling chicken milkshakes just hook it up to your veins yeah so anita had this this uh this job as spokesperson for florida oranges she would go on ads and sing about the benefits of wholesome orange juice. Yeah. And it really felt like a, a late, you know, during the late sixties, we had riots in American cities. Detroit was burning, but here was Anita Bryant. Oh, and also Vietnam war and, and, uh, protests in the streets. But here's an alternative. Here's an alternative. Oh, a, a, a darling little gal, former Miss America contestant who lives down in wholesome Florida where there are no problems whatsoever and drinking that delicious orange juice. And for three years running, she was voted uh, Good Housekeeping's most admired woman in America. Really? Yeah.
0: Forget Lady Bird Johnson or whoever.
1: Right. No. Sorry, Anita Ro- sorry, Rosa Parks.
0: Anita Bryant is singing about orange juice.
1: That's right. And and I think personified a kind of wholesome American that people at the time of a certain sort, even then, lamented. Uh, was, was being lost to modernity and the decadence of, of the counterculture, the counterculture. Good,
0: good housekeeping is being read by hippie hating 40 year old moms.
1: That's right. And, and Anita Bryant was their, their shining take. star. Yeah. Uh, but during this period, Anita Bryant went from being uh, just a, a lovable carefree Southern Christian woman who was making 400,000 or the equivalent of $400,000 a year hawk and orange juice to someone who was slightly more radicalized. And there were a few events that pushed her over the edge. The first. She she was
0: kidnapped by the Symbianese Liberation Army.
1: No, they weren't operating in Florida. Not yet.
0: (laughs) The Florida chapter was very small. No, what radicalized Anita?
3: When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. Thankfully, there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves access to high quality, humanely sourced meat at an affordable price. That's why each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of the finest cuts right to your home. Choose from 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. No antibiotics, no added hormones, just meat the way meat should be. And right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free, plus $20 off your first box when you visit ButcherBox.com iHeart, or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. That's ButcherBox.com
1: iHeart iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. The first recorded instance of Anita Bryant becoming politically active was in protest to, uh, in protest of a Jim Morrison concert. The Doors were playing in Florida and Jim Ah, was wearing tight pants and he was being pursued by obscenity. Uh, obscenity suits there's the one famous one where uh, apparently he exposed himself to an audience although the the blurry photograph offered as proof shows the back of someone's head just sort of conveniently covering Jim Morrison's uh, covering uh, up the lizard king that's right apparent exposure of his lizard uh, he was very drunk during this time. And so a little Continually. bit. Continually. A little bit unpredictable on stage.
0: And this was in her backyard. That, that show took place in Florida. That's right. And to this day, Ray Manzarek will tell you, Jim didn't actually pull it out. Nope. And nope. in the Oliver Stone movie, he doesn't do it. Nope. But there are eyewitnesses in the crowd to this day who say, and Ray, Ray will say it's hypnosis. It's the shamanism of the great Jim Orson. Sure, yeah, that's He right. made everyone see the Lizard King when it wasn't actually there. Jim did
1: dare to dance the shaman's dance, (laughs) uh, according to Manzarek.
0: But this followed him around the country. It led to um, obscenity
1: and lewdness charges. And Anita was sort of right at the fore of the Florida chapter protesting the Doors' performance. Uh, Sure,
0: there was was a rally for decency at which old-timey stars like Kate Smith and the Lettermen rallied around this idea that uh, the Doors were bad. And honestly, that's the only right-wing charity I would ever donate to, is, is one <laughs> premised on the Doors being bad.
1: Look, as a rock musician who came up in the shadow of the Doors, let's say, because we have all lived in the shadow of the Doors, I, it's the one instance where I agree with Anita Bryant. The Doors should have been prohibited. And that concludes,
0: <laughs> And that concludes entry... <laughs>
1: All right. That was good. Yeah. Thanks. I did a bright hero. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, she failed. She failed utterly. I still hear the doors all the time. Every time I walk into a mall, they're, they're up there <laughs> playing, you know, you can just barely hear Jim like
3: mama. I
0: want to
1: <laughs> just selling blenders.
0: It's true. She did not successfully ban the doors.
1: No. Uh, and And this was a period uh, where the schism between the North and the South and between conservative America or traditional America and counterculture America was really, the the schism was really happening in real time. 1969 was when the Stonewall riots happened in New York City and it was the first sort of shot across the bow of of mainstream America that uh, gay people were going to become visible, they were going to start demanding civil rights, which up until that point, you know, the gay, did not exist. Gay communities throughout America had always been I mean, they were persecuted by the cops, but they were generally accepted, just as they are now in Mexico, as a kind of uh, that was like something that was happening downtown in a, seri- in a few CD a unusual bars. Unusual
0: part of the landscape. That's People right. are strange, as Jim Morrison would say.
1: People are strange when you're a stranger, Ken. That's true. Uh, but this was the Stonewall riots where where the Stonewall bar was raided by the cops and the patrons took to the streets to protest the brutality. This was the beginning of the gay rights movement in America. And it happened coincident with the very beginning of the radicalization of Anita the Bryant. The social
0: conscience of Anita Bryant. And it didn't take long. Just in a few, a few years after the Stonewall riots, kind of a consensus had emerged that there was an enlightened way to, to handle these laws. And about 40 American cities had passed kind of rudimentary LGBT non-discrimination laws. You could not be fired or evicted or whatever for being gay. And that's, that's surprising to me that it happened
1: that quickly at least in America's cities. It's it's very difficult from our current uh, standpoint to put ourselves in the 1970s in America because it's, it's very easy for us to look back and think that we are the most progressive time, that we are the most woke era. Um, and in the 1970s, George Wallace ran for the U.S. presidency multiple times on a straight up white supremacist ticket. Like a and one states Full on racist, like uh, not even masking it, not even David Duke pretending he wasn't, but like a white supremacist ticket. But at the same time, the 1970s were the birth of what we think of now as modern progressivism. And a lot of inroads were made into mainstream America. It was not an era of great religiosity. Um, it was, I mean, this was the New York Times said, God is dead. R- religious... did, they have
0: a, did they have a source on that?
1: Uh, they, I think
0: it was, I think it was Paul Simon. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cover of Time magazine. God is dead. God is dead. Boy, that must've canceled a lot of subscriptions.
1: Well, I mean, a lot of subscriptions from people that weren't reading it anyway. A lot of dentists stopped carrying it in their office in, in Mobile, Alabama. I
0: feel like time and National Geographic when I was a kid always knew that religion sold. It was always like, yeah, we just have to have the, no matter what's happening in the news, we're going to put the Virgin Mary on the cover of Time six times a year.
1: Yeah, the Virgin Boy, Mary on a, on a piece of toast.
0: I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of big news happening right now in the Virgin Mary's life that we have to catch up on. A lot of updates there.
1: But there was a sense during this period, uh, there was a... a, a um, a wave of the secularization of the United States, and it wasn't just the urban elites. It was a sense that not not the practice of religion necessarily, but like frantic devotion to religion was a thing of the past. It was a thing of the, it was evidence of, of less education, less sophistication. It's
0: backwoodsy. We want well-behaved suburban religiosity.
1: And this wasn't just true of Baptist religions. It was also true of Catholicism and Judaism. Uh all the religions were were experiencing downturns in attendance and it was just seen as like now we're in the United States, we're past wars of religion and we're moving into this new Uh, A a new future that is more enlightened and more educated.
0: As I understand it, the battle lines were not as drawn as hard uh, politically between this idea that there's good religious people and, you know, kind of suspect a religious people. You know, there were.
1: The battle lines weren't. No. In fact, Jimmy Carter was a, was a Baptist. Sure. Sure. Um,
0: like the, the idea that, uh, all religion is vocally anti-abortion is very much a kind of a Reagan revolution creation.
1: Well, all of this was a product of the backlash to this 1970s sense. Right. And, and you know, that's Repu- when it got Republicans at the time were largely, uh, sort of socially agnostic. Uh, they were, they were primarily a, uh, like an economic doctrine they wanted taxes to be structured a certain way they they were hawkish about foreign policy but they didn't republicans didn't really have this moral component that we think of them having now they were not culture warriors and democrats often were the racist <laughs> uh, well later or i'm sorry earlier but they democrats also i mean the the democratic coalition in uh, included a lot of religious people and people that were quite devout. And the South it was the default political party of the South. Yeah, up until the six, up until Johnson did his little switcheroo on them.
0: Uh, that's what you call the Civil Rights Act. Which a switcheroo? Which we, which we can well, you know,
1: his little <laughs> his little uh his little Texas two-step, his little game, <laughs> his little, little game with the Senate. Um so as the 70s progress, as you mentioned, right? There were 40 American cities that passed Anti-discrimination laws, in in favor of uh, gay rights. It was a movement. It was, and it, but it was a subtle movement. There was not an institutionalized, organized gay rights movement across the country with with uh, identifiable leaders and a and a clear agenda. This was happening just as part of a general liberalization of domestic politics. How, so, how should a well-run city treat this problem area? Here are some
0: sensible guidelines.
1: That's right. It seemed very sensible that rather than waste police resources and uh, blood, sweat, and tears over persecuting a minority that was actually contributing to the culture of the city, like, let's do away with these arcane laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this offended, as you can imagine, Anita a certain segment of the people among whom Anita Bryant stepped to the front ranks because a similar law was proposed for Miami and Dade County. And from the pulpit, a lot of uh, ministers in that region started to bring attention to it, although it it was poised to pass sort of without notice. Some ministers started to rail from the pulpit, and one of them in particular had Anita Bryant as a parishioner. Uh, this,
0: must, sh- this must have been organized on some level. So well, somebody in some office somewhere noticed. Wow, Houston just passed one of these. Like it's going to
1: start happening in the South. At this point, it wasn't. It was just the. It was just. It became the really? sort of no foul well type. Not is like, yet. Huh. It it was a. It was just a, a couple of ministers in Florida realized that this was something that they could rail about uh, from the pulpit. And this was during an era, when um, people that were opposed to gay rights equated. Gay rights with child molestation and bestiality, pederasty. It was very easy to smear gay rights because there was a lot of ignorance in the population as a whole.
0: You you know, uh, I feel like Anita Bryant, who, you know, gave awful quotes along those lines for decades, should have known better. She was from the entertainment industry. There's no way she didn't have a gay makeup guy and a gay hairdresser and, you know. She
1: must have had friends. But this was during the time when Liberace could be Liberace and still deny that he was gay. In people's living rooms, they could say, oh, he's just flamboyant. He's flamboyant. But
0: people who knew Liberace were like, yeah, sure.
1: Well, yeah. The
0: entertainment industry is...
1: Super gay. But Hollywood is sophisticated in a way that mainstream America isn't. No one, I mean, it was still shocking that Elton John was gay when he came. I mean, Elton John got married in the 1980s. But Yeah, Elton John pretending to be bi for many years. Even Rob Halford of Judas Priest coming out as gay in the 2000s. Um, took many people by surprise. Metal fans. Uh, because it just hadn't occurred to them. There, the the lack of sophistication isn't always bigotry. It often is just ignorance. It still uh, hasn't happened in sports. That's right. Name a gay football player. Yeah. So Anita Bryant and her, and, and at the time a pretty small cadre, uh, went and protested at the city council. And in fact, the the ordinance was proposed by Anita Bryant's friend, Ruth <laughs> Stack, who was just a, a local, uh, local politician. And up until that point, they'd never had any real disagreements, but Ruth put forth this, what she considered to be just a reasonable, uh, ordinance to change the laws, uh, in favor of equal rights, um, for gays and lesbians. And even then, there wasn't a concept even of ch- transgender people, and lesbians weren't included in the ordinance either because they were sort of it didn't they weren't it, they're volleyball coaches or whatever yeah, gay people, men
0: they're, they're the threat they're the
1: threat Pe- People didn't, weren't entirely sure that lesbianism was real. It seemed like something that happened in college I wonder,
0: <laughs> just, I wonder if that's a result of just a more male centric culture where you know masculinity defines America, so anything that threatens masculinity is much more deadly than uh whatever lesbians represent.
1: Yeah. Although you could argue that women who weren't interested in men threatened masculinity. (laughs) In practice. (laughs) A lot more than. (laughs) They were, they were not playing the long game, I guess. Well, and I think that, that, uh, I don't know. I mean, you don't want to stereotype, but the expression, the public expression of lesbianism just tends to be less flamboyant. There aren't as many, uh, uh, there aren't as many feathers, let's say.
0: It could certainly be a fact that there's a, you know, a, a, titillating aspect to lesbianism that flatters a certain kind of even old-fashioned male audience um, well, it, in a way too. in a way that you know encourages the culture to give them a pass because there's well, that you i know. mean
1: the, what what are described as lipstick lesbians which is to say femme lesbians do appeal to a large swath of the American men, if it's if it's, fantas- if it's sure. turned into fantasy.
0: And I right? wonder if that's kind of fundamental to, oh, uh, we're going to give them a pass. What we really are going to go after are these swishy hairdressers. Yeah, that's right.
1: Well, and, and it was always the, the, the animosity toward gay men was always connected to pedophilia. Uh, Anita actually named her organization... Save our
0: children. Save our children. Until the Save the Children Foundation (laughs) shut her down, I guess.
1: They had the copyright on saving children. (laughs) There
0: was already an NGO fund who was like, we're actually saving them from a real thing that exists, floods and earthquakes.
1: So the the ordinance actually passed, despite Anita and her nascent uh, protest organization. Oh, Miami got their
0: non-discrimination law.
1: Miami got their non-discrimination law. And at that point, Anita and her sort of celebrity and her vocal opposition to it all of her proclamations that the children were in danger but also that the that the legislation and we still hear this argument today the legislation was inherently anti-christian it prohibited her from teaching her or from raising her children in a moral world this and is, so it was yeah, this is the new Argument against it gay was rights. discriminatory against moral people. We have to use the language of discrimination to
0: say, "I, as a white Christian, am deeply offended. I'm the real victim here."
1: That's right. And 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 part of her argument was her children attended private Christian school, but this ordinance allowed openly gay people to be teachers, and so she felt threatened that her Baptist school was going to hire a, a gay choir teacher, and that that teacher would then recruit her students into their Uh, I don't know what the gay sex cult. The recruitment is a big deal, I
0: guess. Um, you know, she would go around the country saying things like homosexuals cannot biologically reproduce children. Therefore they must recruit our Mm, children. They're recruiting. Which is the craziest logic to me. Like there's plenty of replacement among gay populations. You know how straight people giving birth to gay kids. Like there, there's going to be plenty of gay kids. We don't have to make them.
1: But this is a modern understanding that, that, that being gay is
0: biological. It's true. Like if you believe that everybody's straight until preyed upon, well, by, it, but by the gay agenda.
1: Because at the time, the DSM three or two or whatever it was. I mean the the uh, the actual manual of psychological disorders promoted promulgated by the American Psychiatric Institute was uh, it described homosexuality as a as a product of a overbearing mother and an unattentive father. I mean, it, it continued to describe homosexuality well, as a, I just
0: realized I'm gay then
1: actually well, I'm two for two. I didn't want to <laughs> say anything. Sure. If you
0: treat it as if it's a disorder, then you if can it's a cure disorder
1: it. And a thing that you can be tempted into. And that, that's always been the confusing thing to me. <laughs> right. If you can be tempted into it, then that must mean it sounds pretty good or it's like pretty fun over there. <laughs> uh wh- they have way better parties, way better clubs, yeah. way better brunches. Otherwise it wouldn't be so tempting.
0: Our, you know, our friend uh, Dad Savage I think is among those who have pointed out that uh for many on the right, the idea, you know, to always be promulgating the idea that sexuality is chosen and orientation is chosen strongly implies that they themselves were on the fence right. and are like, "Okay, you know what? I'm not I'm not doing this. Come on. I'm going to stay in the closet with, that's right. I'm going to marry Karen. Just like mom wants pick the one that doesn't sin. And, uh, and I think that's why you get a lot of these deeply closeted Republican congressmen getting up to shenanigans in, in restroom stalls. You're
1: talking about the wide stance.
0: Well, I wish, I wish Larry, uh, what's that guy's name? Larry. I've been, I, every time, Flint. every time I'm in the Minneapolis airport, I you go to his, I go to his stall.
1: Oh, you do know. It's,
0: it's not super cruisy.
1: Does it have a does it have a plaque? Larry Craig. <laughs> you're talking about Larry, Larry Craig.
0: Larry Craig, right. I wish Larry Craig were the only such case. It's a it's
1: an epidemic sure, of a is. lot of a
0: lot of these uh, the most fire and brimstone crusaders
1: get caught, get caught uh, with a fourteen year old boy. Right. With their pants down. In some cases, literally. Oh wait, that was the joke. That's all right. Uh... I'll just throw these notes away. I'll just throw all my jokes away if you're going to explain them.
0: Uh, Twitter has taught me that the best thing you can do when someone tells you a joke is to explain the premise back to them. I see.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's helpful. That's like 30% of your feed, isn't it? <laughs> well, so Anita uh, becomes the sort of catalyst behind what very quickly becomes a national movement and a very organized national movement. Uh, this She becomes... The darling of the PTL club, and uh, a very young Jerry Falwell, just getting off to his start, and you've got pastors who are also well off entertainers who can start pumping money right. into
0: this thing and promoting and, it.
1: And this becomes a thing that they can. This this is a recruitment tool for them. There was a there was a famous uh, ad during the Super Bowl where the Orange Bowl parade was contrasted with the San Francisco gay pride parade where they would show, they'd show a little scene of like wholesome American teens do it, you know, uh, spinning their batons and, and swirling their cheerleader skirts. And then they would cut to a shot of a man in, in leather chaps uh, twirling his baton. (laughs) They're both baton twirlers. It was, uh, and, and this, you know, scandalized, People who maybe prior to that would have been sort of live and let, let and live. live. There was a, there was a poll taken in the early seventies and a, and a majority of American women, I mean, a majority of American women felt like gay rights were just a natural extension of, of where we were evolving politically. And the, this campaign was targeted at people who maybe were just generally sort of live and let live, but when they saw this contrast between this wonderful America of yore and this uh, escape from New York future. Um, well, that's a great bit
0: of rhetorical sleight of hand that the right has pulled for, you know, that well, that the forces of repression have pulled for centuries, which is to kind of make these, a whole population of people live in secrecy and shame. And then, you know, when the results of that are a crazy parade to like totally ridicule them for that as well, you know, like it didn't have to be this tawdry demimond. like we made that.
1: That's right. And, and we see it even today. I mean, it is... Um, The xenophobes always find a scapegoat, always find the most exaggerated version of a thing. And yet it it becomes, it does become galvanizing. This was. it's it's an enemy. Like that's always nice. And this was the beginning really of what we now think of as this uh, enormous juggernaut in American cultural life, which is what we call the Christian right. Up until that point, there was not really an organized Christian Right. Uh, not since the early part of the century when there was that kind of um uh civil war revisionism where a lot of those statues of robert e. lee that they 're now tearing down right
0: nineteen uh, twenties confederate nostalgia that's
1: right and clan revival there was that clan revival of the twenties where where the Ku Klux Klan was was marching down Broadway in New York City. Uh, every every mayor strong.
0: in America was a member of the Ku Klux Klan at that time. It's a crazy fact. But
1: you true. know, I get I get yelled at for inserting a lot of extra consonants into my words. But you just said Ku Klux Klan, <laughs> and I would like this noted. I would like this. I would like a post on our Facebook page about this. I would like thing. to have
0: the court stenographer read back that testimony.
1: <laughs> if I say Soviet. You know, like my L is
0: either. It's true. I'm gonna, I stole the L from your Soviet and you, I put it in Ku Klux Klan. You ripped the L from my letter sweater and turned Koo <laughs> into
1: Clue. Taking the letter
0: L from his varsity sweater.
1: <laughs> Nobody is getting our electric company references. Uh, well, and that's a Bill Cosby impression you just did. It?
0: It's actually not. It's Joan Rivers as the narrator. Oh. And uh, have we done this on the show? No, we haven't it's, talked about the electric It's Zero company. Mustel as the Spellbinder and Gene Wilder as Letterman. And I think even a lot of people our age don't
1: know that. Oh my goodness. I didn't know it. Well, let's go back. We'll do, what we'll do is we'll do electric company and free to be you and me. Talk about all the celebrity voices.
0: Free to be you and me. That's the thing that turned everybody our age gay.
1: <laughs> me for sure. For, Am I a boy or a girl? hundred
0: percent me. <laughs>
2: start that's unlimited access to thousands of lessons exercises and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks just go to musician.com slash start that's y-o-u-s-i-c-i-a-n dot com slash start
1: uh so this group this like fast moving uh conservative rights movement let's call it that's nice. uh, uh passed a or, or rather gathered signatures arrived at the um, the office with a suitcase bulging with signatures. What's and, the office? Miami City Hall? Is this, uh, is this a uh, municipal? I think, the, I think it was the Miami City Council mm. and demanded that there be a public referendum. And then they were very well funded. And the gay rights movement, again, at this point was not really nationally organized. Uh, I think- Gay rights were largely seen as just an inevitable consequence. And I think gay people were expressing this individually in their, in various cities. There was a lot more openness. Well, plus yeah, visibility, it was
0: tricky back then. I mean, organizing as a gay movement is, is tricky. A lot of your natural civic
1: leaders are deeply closeted or don't want the attention. But in cities like San Francisco and Seattle and Chicago and very prominently Miami, uh, like gay communities were were finding a measure of visibility and freedom but what they didn't have was a political advocacy they didn't see themselves as a political movement yet and they were There was were, no out gay politicians right but there was also no sense that you could pass legislation beyond this kind of repeal of anti-gay law there wasn't like a national movement to enshrine gay rights mm-hmm. And up until that point, there hadn't needed to be because I mean, look at the look at the success that had happened. But now, they were blindsided by this conservative movement, and when this measure was put up to a public vote, gay rights were rescinded in Miami Dade County by a seventy to thirty uh, percent vote in the election. Oh electorate. wow! So a lot of these
0: city council laws were ahead of where the people were.
1: Well, or the conservative. uh anti-gay movement was able to direct a lot of people to the polls that maybe wouldn't have normally gone. And there wasn't a similarly well-funded. Yeah. uh, If it's only a crusade on one side. That's right. I got to get to the polls to vote for
0: this anti-discrimination law that does not affect me. And a
1: lot of the people who would have happily accepted gay rights were not prepared to race to the polls to defend it. It was more of a, it was, they would have accepted a status quo But it, but it wasn't regarded as part of their fight.
0: I, you know, I actually remember when you say that, um, women in particular were going to be very live and let live on issues like this. I remember around our dining room table as a kid, my dad would kind of be muttering about, um, well, are we going to let them start adopting? Right. And my, and it would be my mom who was like, you wouldn't let a gay couple adopt? And my dad would be like, No. And she'd be like, well, what about Neil and Jim? You know, she'd mention some gay couple they knew. And he'd, you know, he'd grumble.
1: Well, they're okay.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and yeah. it really is like, you know, as long as you, as soon as you know a couple and there's a face, then it's much harder to to think about the uh, the faceless evil enemy out there plotting.
1: That's right. As long as you know a couple and they are out, right? And, and they're That's not the just problem. like, they're not just roommates or something that you can deny their existence. Uh, but this became... So then, an, Anita gets a win. Anita gets a win, but... What happens is this experience in Florida galvanizes the gay rights movement nationwide. Harvey Milk uh, was active in sort of combating this. Harvey Milk and his San Francisco cohort responded to this by banning orange juice or by, I'm sorry, boycotting orange juice in San Francisco bars. Banning orange juice is a bit much. Banning orange juice would be hard to do, but boycotting it was quite easy. And so nationally- and, and it had a clever
0: parallel to the great boycott in favor of Cesar Chavez and the striking Mexican farmer. So this really is like,
1: this is what the energized left does now. We right. we, boycott we boycott some kind of fruit. Uh, we boycott fruit. <laughs> and the Florida orange juice people had done a really great job of creating a lot of cocktails that used orange juice. Not just the tequila sunrise, but also the Harvey Wallbanger and and all these different um, concoctions.
0: I studied this for Jeopardy. That's a screwdriver with Galliano added.
1: Really? Yes. Give me some more orange juice based cocktails.
0: Well, I mean, you know, the boycott's really going to hit the gaze where it hurts when it comes to breakfast because it's mimosas.
1: You know, it's oh, that's it, right.
0: it's, it's brunch. And so that is a real sacrifice.
1: Well, and there was a there was a movement to substitute grapefruit juice, which works in some cocktails and not in others. Ah, like grapefruit vodka grapefruit is a little bit grapefruit mimosa. Yeah, not mm. not as good. And and also we know now. I mean, the uh, bipolar medication that I take is contraindicated with grapefruit juice. Wait, really? Somehow the grapefruit juice blocks um, and and messes with your absorption of certain chemicals.
0: In a way that other citrus juices do not.
1: That's right. So I am forbidden, as someone who takes this medication, forbidden from drinking grapefruit juice or having it even as any component. Can you have Fresca? Uh, Hmm, that's interesting. I don't think there's any actual grapefruit in Fresca. That
0: does align with my intuition, and I think most people's intuition, that there is something kind of weird and off about grapefruit juice that is not shared with other citrus fruits, that weird kind of stomach bile taste. Certainly my daughter thinks
1: that grapefruit juice does not qualify in the same family as orange juice. But so along with a grapefruit or along with a, a, an orange juice boycott, there was now within the, the gay world and their many, many supporters, more, more vocal supporters, a sense that they needed to be organized. Mm. And this sort of was one of the impetus that pushed Harvey Milk into a political career. and unfortunately, he was assassinated just a, a few years later. But she awoke a sleeping and very gay giant. She did, but also awoke a sleeping and very anti-gay giant. Mm. So uh, fast forward a couple of years, the boycott against orange juice and the politicization of orange juice.
0: I'm not going to let you just get away with adding syllables to politicization or whatever you just no, said. No, you just said
1: politicization. I think politicization might be right. Politicalization? Politicalization. There's <clears throat> no way it's
0: politicalization. It's politicization. It is politis- It is politicization. Politicization. Puliti- you said politicization. It
1: was the right me. number of syllables though. Politicization.
0: You get points for having the right number of syllables. S- z- it's is like really It's trouble. Awkward. That's why we should not say that. We should say.
1: Politiciz- politicizing. Politicization. Just say politicizing. Of orange juice. So the orange juice growers <laughs> were like, hey, I know you're kind of operating on your own time, but you're like the face of orange juice. And this is. It's not just the boycott, which because then, of course, the conservatives were like, drink more Harvey Wallbangers. <laughs> and there was actually, I think for briefly, was like an upsurge in the gross amount of orange juice being consumed.
0: I like how her bosses are like, I know you think that either the kingdom of heaven or American civil rights are at stake, but there's bigger fish to fry here. Orange juice. Orange
1: sales. juice. And there was a there was an organized campaign to have her removed. And she responded to that with a very victimized... Uh, sense that that the gays were now trying to deprive, silence her by depriving her of her livelihood.
0: It's a free speech issue now, and man. That's right,
1: free speech issue. But eventually she was fired as spokesperson of the Florida Orange community. Same month
0: Harvey Milk was shot. So, you know, you, we can see who the real victims are.
1: Well, and this is, you know, this became a dichotomous political schism mm-hmm. that became a big feature in American political life because this also coincided with the election of Ronald Reagan and Ronald Reagan during this period, there was a similar movement to repeal gay rights laws in California. And this uh, repeal movement actually scored some big, uh, some big gains. They repealed this law in Eugene, Oregon. They repealed it sort of in multiple places, but they were unsuccessful in Washington and Ronald Reagan during his campaign for president actually came out against the repeal of the gay rights laws because he was a, a compassionate conservative. Right. Uh, but then he became president and found that the support of the moral majority and this burgeoning conservative Christian movement was actually a big part of his political coalition. So uh, Anita Bryant's, you know, little um housewife-y indignation at the idea that gay teachers would be touching her kids' hair hypothetical kids did she have kids she did she had multiple kids and they were they were all in a private religious school uh she spawned both of these political movements now increasing her tragedy she filed for divorce in 1980 and this was after promoting herself for this period as someone who believed that marriage was inviolate that um that Marriage was forever and her, her status as a Christian spokeswoman sort of included this idea that she had this happy marriage with multiple kids and, and they were, uh, they, they were uh, a Christian ideal. And in filing for divorce against her husband with an accusation of mental cruelty and an, you know, several sort of accusations at the time, this is this being before a time when there was no fault divorce, I think, uh, wait a minute, no, and this is post no-fault That's divorce. cusp of that. Um, she suddenly lost her support from the Christian conservatives who felt- That would certainly not happen today. I mean- the, Well, no, I mean, now you can-, now you can If uh, you're on the right side of the culture war, you
0: can, you can really do whatever you want.
1: Really get peed on by as many Russian <laughs> prostitutes as you can afford.
0: But also I think the expectation is no longer that any entertainer will, uh, of any ideology will- stay with a spouse. I mean, the the expectations about divorce are probably different now
1: than they were then. A a lot of things have changed, but she was abandoned by the Christian movement that she ostensibly began and fell into a kind of, her name on the left became synonymous with bigotry. Mm -hmm. Anita Bryant was a shorthand for a kind of person who was hateful and despite her many protestations that she was not bigoted nor hateful, but simply acting out of love. About the children. For the children, um, she was reviled by fully half the electorate.
0: And even, and even uh, pied at one point. At one point, she got pied in the face with a... And I, she was like the first famous person to ever take a pie in
1: the face. She invented being pied as a political act.
0: She was pied by a, a gay guy. And then she said, well, at least it was a fruit pie. She was able to come up with a kind of a a funny homophobic slur while wiping whipped cream from her face. So, you know, good under
1: pressure. Often described as the one witty thing she ever said. And that concludes Anita
0: Bryant. Entry 159.PR0913, certificate number 31531, in the omnibus futurelings, we want to advise you to stay away from social media. It will do you and your society no good, as we have discovered. In our day, we were less enlightened, and as a result, John and I were enthusiasts for the technology.
1: Initially, we were, but now we realize it has corrupted us. I realize it more than Ken, because Ken gets more likes than I get.
0: I think I hate it just as much as you. I just have no intestinal fortitude. To, I, can't, I, can't, I just can't, I don't know how to quit it.
1: What's interesting is that you have, I think overall a cheerier, uh, mane than I do. And so when you get attacked, it's, you brush it off. I, I watch you do it. You get attacked and you go, oh, these guys. lol. <laughs> uh, did you see the
0: news yesterday pond. about, um, research out of Germany showing that when Facebook goes up in a specific locale, like you can immediately see anti-immigrant uh, sentiment and violence go uh. up. So yeah, you know, social media is just a tool to turn us all into um, brainwashed demons from some Marvel comics crossover. Event. Well,
1: it really is garbage, but I, I, I don't think it's a tool. It's simply an aperture, like <laughs> the, the garbage that is in us all, uh, I think, you know, civilization to a large degree has been a series of laws and mores to suppress the garbage people we actually are uh, by insisting that we wear our hats a certain way and that we wear ties to work and that we walk when the crosswalk says walk. And social media was this ungoverned and anarchic place where we were free to anonymously express what truly barbaric apes we are. When we take our shirts off, and I think it needs to go down the tubes and go back to a time when you had to raise your hand to speak. <laughs> I know that's unpopular with the internet libertarians, but
0: but if that doesn't happen, yeah, which it won't. you can find us at omnibus Project on every social media platform that exists
1: omnibus at omnibus project at, at twitter omnibus project Facebook. Snapchat.
0: MySpace. Not
1: really Snapchat.
0: Grinder. <laughs> I am at Ken, Ken Jennings. G-er. Not on Grinder, but on the League. Twitter.
1: Are um, you familiar with The League? What is The League? The League is a, um, a dating platform that you have to be admitted to. You have to prove that you are somebody. Ah, I see. And they allow you in because it's only for somebodies to date one another.
0: Is somebody, can you qualify as a somebody by either
1: income or attractiveness? Someone I know who uh, lives in a world where she feels like somebody, and lives in a world of somebodies by their standards, proposed to me that I join the league. Yeah, you should do a, that. Give us your league. Give
0: us the, your league username now. Here at the outro.
1: So I joined it. Oh, perfect. Uh, as a kind of lark, let's see what happens if I join it. It's the same reason I joined the Sons of the Confederacy. <laughs> No, I didn't really. <laughs> um, Former Klu Klux Klan <laughs> member, John Roderick. I joined it and it was very awkward for me to be on there because they would send me people like, hey, so-and-so is interested in you. And I would, you know, read her profile and she owned like a chain of yoga studios. And I'm like, "I your your algorithm is wrong. That's not who's going to like me. That We're was actually gonna like each that other. Was the
0: least accomplished person they had. They tried.
1: Yeah, I was like, what you need to find is the manager of a dark cafe somewhere where they play goth music and where she, like, sneers at every customer. Like, that's, that's who my target audience is, not yoga people. So I stopped going on the league. I was there for about a week and a half just seeing what happened. But I'm probably at John Roderick there. So come by and see me. I was waiting.
0: (laughs) He's also on Instagram. I'm there too. We had an email address uh, where you can also... um, Could also. Contact John if you're a goth barista of some kind. uh, Omnibusproject at howstuffworks.com. You can send him personal effects Mm -hmm. of a titillating nature Mm -hmm. at omnibusproject, PO Box Mm -hmm. 55744. Shoreline, Polaroids. Shoreline Washington. <laughs> Polaroids. I'm not doing this outro anymore. Shore- Shoreline Washington 99155. And keep in mind that I have the deposit box key and I will see all your terrible, incriminating stuff oh, and put it online before John even gets there. For
1: my eyes only. Also, uh, our Facebook group, which is a chaste and moral place. Unlike the P.O. Box. Uh, where uh, smart, like-minded people can go on and discuss their various... Discuss uh, their various VolSell activities. Yeah, that's right. Their their hot takes. Uh, That is the Futurelings on Facebook. Omnibus Futurelings. Listeners, future Borgs and Blobs, sentient Blobs. Blobs and Borgs. Blobs or Borgs. Blobs or Borgs. Borg Blobs. uh, From our vantage point in your presumably distant past. We have no idea how long our civilization survived. Uh, it seemed when we started this podcast that our demise was imminent.
0: Yeah. How would you chart it? Do you feel
1: like it's, uh, it's, uh, it's escalating at the rate you expected? I mean, you know, s- we're still here since then. Now our, our August skies are choked with smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like maybe our president is closer to impeachment which you could say, you could make a case either way, is is uh, evidence of, or rather, um, a sign of impending doom.
0: It's like, true. Like, uh, one of these months, we could have a president with object permanence in the White House, which whoa. It's, it's been a while.
1: What would that be like? Crazy. Hey, I closed my eyes and opened them again, and this is still here. Can't play peekaboo with them anymore. But also, if he is successfully impeached, it's possible that his army of deplorables may rise up and they typically have more guns. They have more, the, more guns and more orange juice. More guns, more orange juice, and more uh, more square miles of American land. To I thought
0: you were gonna say free to flyer miles. I was like, that is not true. They do not. The have left has way more sky
1: miles. miles than the right. That is one hundred percent true. But the left also are the ones that sit and take it when they don't get upgraded, when their miles become less and less valuable, when they're not even upgraded to economy comfort. The left just just lays down and takes it.
0: This is getting a little too personal, I think.
1: Anyway, we hope and pray that whatever the catastrophe is that we fear may never come by, by whatever method. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if Providence, as you understand it, allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.